Welcome to another edition of Intelligence, bringing you knowledge with the power to change. I'm your host, Brennan Dunn. On tap today, we've got a lot of good stuff. We're talking about assisted suicide. We're talking about universal health care. We're talking about paternity fraud, child support issues, and we've got an all-male cast today to talk about it. Not only do we have an all-male cast, we were supposed to have a uh, special guest come in today to talk about their own personal uh, issue with it. However, things happen within the uh, world of... of uh, newscasting and life uh so instead we have quentin broadwater <laughs> resident dead beat to us <laughs> to talk about his mechanical engineering outlook on life uh, we have damon Parrish, our criminal defense expert we have dr rod singleton our medical expert and charles sherrod jr our tech guru extraordinaire so fellas um we're gonna go ahead and start with uh, we'll actually highlight a little bit of Rod today for a second. Uh, Bernie Sanders, we all know who Ber Bernie Sanders is. He was uh, a one-time presidential candidate, and also he's a congressman um, who may be running again. But they did a uh, study on his Medicare for All platform and established that uh, it would cost $32.6 trillion over a 10-year period. Now, what they failed to also include in that is the net is actually going to equal out. So there, with all of the accoutrement of the of plan itself, even though it'll cost 32.6 uh, trillion over 10 years, when you add in all the subsidies and the payout by uh, by the taxpayers coming back to it, it actually evens out. And as a, I think it's, I believe it was like something close to a zero dollar balance on that. Uh, the question that I have for you guys, because obviously uh, a one payer one payer system where it's universal health care is going to increase our tax dollars. Is it worth it? I mean, this is really one of the crux issues between uh, Democrats and Republicans as far as they, this, and it marries fiscal plus social issues. Uh, what do you think? And then we'll start off with you, Doc. So I'm all for a single-payer system. So actually when the PPAC was being passed under Barack Obama's administration, I was kind of uh, jilted at the fact that they kind of had this, came out with this system that had nothing really to do with the primary, the single-payer single, single payer system that I was hoping for. Um, I think it's kind of uh, some misinformation with this, this new study. It's funded by a conservative think tank, for one. If you look at all the empirical evidence about health care costs in the United States as compared to other um, industrialized nations who have single-payer systems, our costs are astronomical with our current system. And we can only seek the game provisioning better care for people who don't have access to that right now. I think it's a red herring to talk about the initial cost because anytime you change a paradigm, you change a system, it's going to be expensive. But as you mentioned earlier, the overall benefit of this is going to be overwhelmingly uh, fiscally responsible. Um, I think I'm one who believes healthcare is a right, uh, not a privilege. And you look at how America, we spend per dollar like about $10,000 per person, which is more than $5,000 more than the average country, the country that has comparable demographics as us. And uh, so the argument that this would be, the expense is the the reason why we should, you know, not try this system is pretty ridiculous. Now, some people are going to argue, and I, and I don't want to take words out of Damon's mouth because I think Damon sits on the uh, opposite side of uh, that opinion. But I know some people have argued that um, with a universal health care plan, it takes away uh, competition within healthcare, thus driving down the quality of healthcare. As a, as the resident physician, uh, what's your opinion on that? 
So, some things the free market uh, is the is the, is the optimal you know system in which you know like when we talk about you know technological advancements stuff like that you want the free market to dictate that kind of thing um, because comp competition does increase the innovation and you know product quality et cetera et cetera. But with healthcare, I don't think we should be using that kind of logic to deprive people, other human beings of quality healthcare. I just don't think it's one of the I don't think this is one of the things we should approach with the more with fiscal fiscal conservative conservatism primarily over humanit humanitarian issues. All right, Damon, so you've heard the pro. Shoot <laughs> us the con. It's, it's not really a con. It's more or less like, you know, your tax dollars, uh, we, we all complain about taxes. At the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, no one wants higher taxes. And your tax dollars can, can go a long way for a lot of things. There is a lot of humanitarian benefit we can raise for. Everybody deserves a place to live. Everybody deserves uh, free education. Everybody deserves uh, health care. You know, at, at some point, where do you stop and say, okay, here's where it stops? Um, I think there's nothing that capitalism shouldn't drive. I do. I think a competition, to me, brings out the best. And I'm certainly not advocating people die on the street and nothing like that. Something should be done for those that need help, absolutely. But a $32 trillion program is $3.2 trillion a year for one government program. We're not now talking about the military. We're not also talking about any other social service out there. We now have distilled the entirety of the United States budget into health care. I don't think that's fiscally responsible. But, but you don't think that this is one of those issues where, it, regardless of what kind of taxpayer you are, this is one of those few issues where it touches you no matter who you are, with the exception maybe of like a Jehovah's Witness who, who says that they don't want to be a part of the, uh, the, 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 the health care system. But you don't think that paying more, I mean, health care expenses are never cheap. I don't know where, no, no matter where you go, it's never going to be cheap. So you don't think that the offset of paying a little bit more, a few more dollars in taxpayer money is going to offset me having to go to the hospital and pay a $100,000 bill for something uh, that, that I wouldn't be able to afford. And this isn't just elective things. We're talking about necessary health care quality. So, so first, let's not trivialize how much you're going to pay in tax dollars. It's not fair to say you're going to pay just a few more dollars versus this $100,000 medical bill you're going to have. You, in one end, minimize the, the impact of the, of the tax on an individual person, but maximize the benefit on the one person or the persons that will use this health care system to, the, to its benefit. Now, um, I think personally I have no problem with you paying for what you need. I, I, have, I myself have not been to the hospital. I haven't had any massive surgeries. I haven't had, ha, I, has not affected me like that. Now, I'm not saying other people should not be denied the same right, but I haven't needed this expansive healthcare system. I might need it one day, right? But I don't need it now. Should I have to pay a large sum of money for the benefit of other people and my future self? I don't think so. so I, that's, I, the, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the, that's the yeah, unique thing. That's the unique, that's but, the unique thing about healthcare, right? Unless you're clairvoyant or you possess some ability I'm not aware of, you don't know when you're going to need health care. You don't know, God forbid, something did happen to you tomorrow, and you're not prepared to, to incur those costs, you're going to be in deep shit. And that's the average American who can't even, who can't, can't afford to, to, to manage those situations when they arise. Second off, the whole fiscal argument is fucking ridiculous, right? If you look at the top ten earning CEOs in America, three of them are, are insurance company or drug company reps, and, uh, on an average of like $29 million dollars a year in, 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 in earnings from their, their companies. When you're talking about them, the corporation making that kind of profit, the majority of all this cost is on the middleman anyway. It's not the provision of healthcare. 
It's on the insurance companies. It's on, on, on everybody in the middle. It's not the actual provision of care. So that's a red herring. What, what, what we're really talking about here is the, the, basically the, an industry that's about to go away or going to take a, a, a back seat once that uh, single-payer system comes into play. And that's what the real Republican, that's you know, you know, rebuffing this effort is all about. It's about the money. It's not about yeah. the, the initial cost. It's about who's going to get paid. Charles, what you got to say, man? Um, I was just thinking about, about Damon's argument. I, I think most of the time, and this is, you know, come from me who's only had to use health care, right? I'm not in that business. But most of the time, free market, you would see costs driving down, right? You would see innovation. You would see better better care, and you would see the cost of that care going down. You don't see that with health care. You see things progressively going up in a way that doesn't really make sense to me saying that the free market should take care of it. And also, you know, with taxes, you know, I don't feel like we should be able to, you know, in a society that we, being part of society, you can't always pick and choose something and say, well, if I don't use it, then I shouldn't have to pay for it. I mean, that's good in theory, but, you know, I don't drive on the north side, so my taxes shouldn't go for potholes. Like, I mean, it, it, you know, when you start getting into to that level of, of uh, detail on taxes, I think you, you know, you kind of step away because even if I don't use it, I mean, what about my family members that need it? What about my grandparents? What about people, you know, I've had, you know, my father has had major, major health care needs that, you know, we couldn't have, no matter how much money the family had, without insurance and without some help, we wouldn't have been able to, he may not be alive today. And so, you know, I feel like we need to look at health care a little bit differently than we do, than we do other industries. And, and quite honestly, I mean, you, when you look at, you brought up something with the, the insurance providers. You, you literally pay thousands of dollars per year to an insurance provider. And once something happens to you, you are fighting tooth and nail to get the coverage that they have already promised you. Not only that they've promised you, but that you've paid for, you know, up front. I would rather go pay tax dollars to the government without having to fight to get back my reimbursement dollars vis-a-vis taxes than to have to pay it to an insurance provider who I'm going to have to beg Say, please, sir, can you give me some more? I mean, it just doesn't make sense. If I'm going to pay one or the other, why not pay the government who I know guarantees is going to give me the the uh, the, the, the yeah, health care that I need it. versus having to beg the insurance company and say, you know what, um, I've paid, I paid you for four years now without ever being unhealthy. Can I please get at least half of my insurance bill paid for? I just don't get it. And you got <laughs> to realize, man, that when you say free market, man, you got to understand the free market is for profit. So... When you when you say it creates competition and all that, you're not really doing that because at the end of the day, these the, like Rod mentioned earlier, the goal is for these guys to maximize their profits, and they're going to do it at whatever cost they need to do. Right. So and so so Janice, Janice one of the, in there. one of our viewers, Janice, commented saying that you know uh, people should make better choices. She's clearly one of those of the belief that most of people's issues come from you know per, decisions per, that they personal make. decisions, and she's a, a, an accountability type of person, but. I don't think with healthcare that it incentivizes these businesses to do the best for their patients. I think every year, like any other corporation, they're fighting to find novel ways to create more profit, and that's just not a model that's work that's workable for healthcare. Yeah, and, and actually, to Janice's point, I was I was actually just going to make a point. I think if we had some type of universal healthcare system, there wouldn't be such a push by these drug companies and insurance companies for certain treatments. Versus trying to help people do some exactly. things that may keep them out of the hospital, right? Because the, the you know we know the business, the money is not 
in in you know in preventing you from going in the hospital is from treating you once you get there. So you know, you know but the the problem I'm having with all y'all's arguments are is that you you have now in this stroke opposite to what we usually do. You've glorified the government and you've said now the government it, the government now has the ability to manage money properly, manage healthcare properly, properly, and create a system that works beautiful for everybody. And that now a market driven uh, uh, industry is no longer good. I, I get that this is driven by the need for health and I'm not opposed to people being healthy. All right, uh, but to, to, to now put all your faith in the government and say, hey, government's good for us and this one, one instance, take all my money because we know you're going to be responsible and I know you're going to help me out in the, in, the, in the front end and I know government, you're going to take care of me, big brother. Do what you got to do for me. We don't have an idea of what an actual uh, universal healthcare system in America will look like or how it will work and would, it would actually be to the benefit that you say it would. We don't have that. You say you've got extrapolations from other countries and for every one you give me that works, I give you one that doesn't. So you want to give me Europe, I give you Venezuela. You want to give me other parts of Europe, I give you Russia. They have universal healthcare system and it all fails. Well, that system and that government. You were a genius with that uh, comment, Damon, because you knew we were going to wrap up on this segment. <laughs> so we, we, we can't, uh, in good conscience, keep going on the butt. Huh? We will be doing some blogs about that, so stay tuned for the uh, blogs. And please, uh, questions, comments, and concerns so we can address those on the blog. Uh, we're going to roll over to uh, international news. Uh, France has just banned smartphones in schools for ages 3 to 15. Um, it's pretty interesting. I, th I think their their whole issue is children need to be focused in school, and uh, smartphones are a deterrence to that focus in school. Is that something that the U.S. needs to be looking at, um, or are smartphones so inextricably intertwined within our lives that it's almost nigh on impossible to live life without it? I, be I believe, man, uh, easy way to to probably look at that is to. Where do we rank in comparison to schools that uh, countries that ban it? That's one way to look at it, and you could probably get a quick answer from that. But um, we're at the bottom of the barrel now. Well, not at the bottom of the, but we're we've gone from one of the top educational programs down to middle of the road. At yeah, best. so we've fell far. But I don't know. There's me no having an engineering background and thing, it's it's a dangerous thing to do because if if you have a smartphone, you have uh, access to information very quickly, right? So what most people are going to do, instead of trying to figure out what's going on and, and really learn what it's supposed to be learning, they're going to use their smartphone to get through it. So I think we should ban that. Uh, I think we should ban smartphone usage in schools and make kids go to school and actually learn and apply what they're learning. All right, what's up, Mr. Tech? Wow. Um, so I, I kind of agree with it. I think many schools now have some type of protocol for kids using phones in school. So in America, because of, unfortunately, some of the danger that goes on around our schools, you may see parents kind of have a backlash because they want to have that electronic lease for their kid to contact them if something goes wrong with all these shootings and stuff like that. But if we're just talking about learning, um, I think at that age, and even at any age, right, we find a lot of people, I find myself almost addicted to just going to the phone for certain things. And You know, if you got kids texting, looking at social media, looking at all these things that become social currency, um, I think it detracts from the learning process. And I agree with Quentin. Um, there is something to be said for having access to information. There's more to be said to being educated and learning how to think and how to process things and how to solve problems without being able to immediately go to Google and find the answer because we got to a point where you don't need to learn anything. You don't need to know anything. You just need to know how to look something up. 
And that's, in my opinion, that's not a good thing. Well, you so. brought up a, a good point, and I'm gonna have Rod. Uh, you can kind of answer this with your with your uh, response on it. You, you brought up something saying that you know we we use tech for everything now. The way we learn, we've gone from simply writing out a math equation to using the TI instrument to now kind of almost it's, it's instantaneous. The answers are at our fingertips. Uh, do we really need to go backwards with technology as a term, in terms of education, or do we actually need to utilize the technology as it's, as it's given to us and have that be our uh, new benchmark for the next evolution of, of learning? Go ahead, Rob. It, it depends on how ubiquitous the technology that you're uh, proposing we should adopt versus abandoning the fundamental education, right, and, and whether that technology is going to persist. That would be the, the, the difference between our, me supporting a more traditional education that established the fundamentals of, you know, doing arithmetic versus using a calculator. Every kid in uh, 10 years has a calculator at, on their hip, and, you know, we, we're pretty sure that we're not going to regress technologically in society and we won't ever have to utilize those skills, then I would be all for it. But I think there is some value in the process of learning some of those fundamental skills. And I go, to go back to what he said, I don't think that this is a, I don't think this is a, novel, a novel idea in kind, right, because for... For a while now, we've had a uh, different initiative to try to reduce the amount of distractions in classrooms. I know when I was coming up, certain schools would have dress codes so their kids would be more focused on more, more important things than what they have on and that kind of stuff. So I think it's just a, a modern iteration of that kind of, kind of uh, you know, pursuit. All right, sound off yeah. on your last thoughts on the show. Yeah, last, last point is anybody who's ever done any coding, working on computers, working on calculators or anything like that, you know it's not just the machine, right? You have to know, you have you to have it. some knowledge because you can... You can code something improperly. You can do yeah. something with the wrong syntax. If you don't learn how to think things through and see that something, even if the computer says this is what it should be, that that's not the right answer, then you're in for big problems down the road. All right. Well, uh, we're gonna we're gonna probably bring some teachers on in uh, some subsequent episodes so we can talk about this uh, education issue. Uh, but we want to move forward because we got some pretty interesting things to talk about. The next thing up on the list um, over there in California, a Palo Verde Estates man was acquitted uh, this last last Monday on charges of murder and two counts of attempted murder in connection with a fatal shooting of a 21-year-old man in South L.A. last year. Um, Cameron Terrell, 18-year-old white boy, uh, was acquitted uh, in connection with being involved in gang activity, which led to the uh, the death of this young of this young man. What's interesting about it is he was uh, lauded as the getaway driver in this particular case. Um, there are photos with him with one of the uh, gangs. I think this was a, a Crip gang. Yeah, um, so this is a Crip gang. He's wearing all this stuff. His defense attorney, and, you know, as Rod has said before, you can't be mad at, at lawyers for doing their job. Uh, his defense attorney argued that, hey, he wasn't actually in, he wasn't a gang member. He simply was interested in what gang life was all about. Uh, and, and when the guys who actually did the shooting jumped back in the car, his defense was, well, I didn't know what was going on. I was just driving because I was scared. They jumped back in the car and we, we ran away. Um, and, and some might say, well, he didn't actually do the shooting, so, so of course he would be not guilty. However, however, there is this thing called a law of parties, which says that if you assist in the commission of a crime, then guess what? You are just as guilty as a shooter, no matter what, what small role you played in it, as long as you assisted in the crime. So for all intents and purposes, he could have been found guilty of, uh, of murder. This is one of those instances where it's almost a mixture of cultural appropriation mixed with racial discrimination, mixed with 
an unfair and disparate uh, justice system. Now, Damon, you're looking at me quizzically, so go ahead. I'm just curious about the cultural appropriation part. Where does that come in? I'm glad you asked. Um, I'm talking about the, the, the ability for this white boy to come in and take on the persona of a Crip member, but without actually ever saying, you know what, I'm not going to really be a Crip member. Let me, let me just, let me just touch, a, touch on, this, on this blood and Crip thing. Oh, that's real cute. Now, I want to be a part of it. But I don't want to be a part of it. It's almost like that that that, that term. Everybody want to be a nigga, but don't nobody want to be a nigga. So, 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 so the knee jerk reaction to this, I'm sure by by your commentary as well, is that this is a more of a racial thing, right? For for me, I, reflexively, I was like, oh, this is the same old shit, right? But this to me is more of a social economic disparity than it is a racial disparity. A la O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson had the resources to mount an incredible defense. A uh, pretty creative defense, and he got off of what we know was he was obviously guilty in that situation. In this particular Preach. circumstance, huh? Preach. Pretty, yeah, right? He was guilty. So it's, this is about the ability to mobilize resources and get a credible defense in an adversarial justice system. This is not, this is not, I don't think this is more so about race. It is ridiculous. I mean, clearly this, this guy was a member of a gang. He was in rap videos. He wore colors. He threw up gang signs. He had affiliations. Uh, he, he was the getaway driver. I know at least in South Carolina under the felony murder clause, it doesn't matter what the intent was. If you were a, a member of that party, who, uh, you were involved in any kind of illegal activity, then you assume the murder charge like everyone else. So I don't think this is more of a racial thing. It is a socioeconomic. I got to disagree with you. And, uh, and the reason why I disagree with you, there is, there is, there is indeed a, a component of this of, of socioeconomics because this man, was a mil he came from a millionaire household. Yes. His house was worth, uh, I think, $2 million house. Yes. Uh, he it made $5 million, $5 million, 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 million. Uh, however, when the the racial tones of this are exponentially visible when you talk about his ability to use that particular defense in this case. If this was a black boy saying, well, you know, I just wanted to see how the crypt life, life worked, a jury's going to look at you and say, come on now, you just wanted to see, you aren't really a part of it. He gets the benefit of the doubt because of his skin color on this virtuoso attempt to say, hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not with. And I think that that's where the racial intonation comes No doubt comes there's in. a racial component, but you think if this was a, 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 a white boy from abject poverty? That he would have the same defense. I think he would. He would. He would certainly be more inclined to to have that defense be utilized for him than any other black boy or Hispanic boy. So you think a, a, a black kid with similar means and access to the type of representation he had would not fare? There's not. There's no possibility he would fare as as as, yeah, as good no, enough. No, it doesn't matter. So no. back, back to the OJ then. Explain the OJ Simpson verdict then. What was that based on? That he was still based. <laughs> OJ didn't do it. <laughs> Let me say this. I, I do agree with you. It's not just about race in every case. And if you have access to money to have the best lawyers, that does give you a leg up. The reason I say if this was uh, a black person or a young black man from the same type of household as this young man with the same type of means, he might be able to put on that defense. But would he be found? Would he be found not guilty? That? And it wouldn't work. To I mean, to quote. You know, the, the the great movie, A Time to Kill, imagine if he's black. Imagine if that kid was black because in the minds of most juries and a lot of those judges, if you say gang member, what do you think? Who black. do you see? Young black boy. Who do you see when yeah. you say gang member? And so who do you not see when you say gang member? Because you dress this kid up, you bring him in, you talk about the home exactly. he's from, you show yeah. his home, his family, where he's from, and then you say there's no possible way that this is a gang member and the people will believe you because when, they, when you say gang member, 
that's not who they see. You're going to be guilty yeah. by association just because you black. Man. Yeah, if me and yeah, you that's, leave that's right the, here right now and I go down the street and I bust somebody in the head with a brick and you with me, you going you gonna, you gonna to go down with me just yeah. because you with me. Y'all preaching to the choir. You know, as, as a lawyer, I'll say the failure in this is, is not in society, but in my opinion, the prosecutors. Because you're right. They may have had a burden to overcome with the fact that they had that this young man pretended to be what he actually was, which was in the gang. But that was their burden. And they should have stepped up and showed to him. They should have showed the juries who this man really is. And that he may have once lived in Bel Air, but now he perpetrates to being someplace else where he's in the gang, in the crib, and whatnot. Uh, you know, if as a defense attorney, I'll tell you right now, sometimes you have to create defenses. All right. And sometimes you create defenses you don't quite believe in because your clients won't plead. And you go to trial with the best you got. And when you have the money and the means and the imagination, you can do some stuff with it. Uh, but it's if if that failure of that conviction, in my opinion, rests upon the DA's office, more so than society. All right, well, we're about to get into the more interesting stuff of the night, the things that uh, probably our Facebook users have been waiting on and was going to probably take us a, a good long amount of time to discuss. We'll start um, with a combination of the uh, guest that was supposed to be here, uh, Mr. Cornejo. I think that's how you say Cornejo. Cornejo, Gabriel Cornejo. Um, this was a guy who was ordered by the court to pay almost $65,000 in arrears in child support. What happened in this case was uh, got jiggy with a girl. Uh, 16 years later, she comes back and says, hey, you know what? You got a baby by me and you need to pay up. He's like, well, damn. Uh, they, she goes in, gets a default judgment against him for arrears. Um, $65,000 worth of $65,000 worth of arrears given in default judgment, which means that he never filed an answer. He ever, he never actually defended himself in this suit. We fast forward. He takes a DNA test. Lo and behold, it's actually not his baby. Um, so he's now fighting the system to not have to pay those arrears back. A lot of people are up in arms about that because uh, and he ended up actually walking up from Houston to Austin in protest of the, of the, uh, Texas child support laws in this manner. Um, and it's sad, Damon, that we have to adhere to a law that is ostensibly says, even if it's not your child, once there is an order put in place for you to pay, you got to pay regardless of anything else. Yeah. So the Texas child support laws in, are, in my opinion, extremely toxic. Uh, there are aspects of it that make sense. And it's one of those arguments that people have that, you know, take care of your children. How can you fight with that? Kind of like universal health care. Take care of your uh, children, right? Uh, Shame. I see what you but, did. <laughs> not, not even close uh, to the same thing. But, but very much. But it, it, it creates a situation where you have this young man, uh, or maybe he's an old man now, uh, that, that was put in a situation that's not fair. But what I want to mention on him is that he could have avoided that. So the process of what happened was he got served and did not respond. He got served with paperwork that said, come to court, you were being sued for child support. Now, you don't just get a default. Somebody just doesn't walk down the court and default you. You have to get served. You get a time period to answer. And if you don't answer, pop goes your default. Now, I understand that he did not. It was not, actually sent to it was an, sent address to an address that he, didn't, that he no longer lived you know, at. However, it's sent to his last known address, right. meaning the address he had on his driver's license or, or his government paperwork that said, I live here, it was sent there. There's a reason why they do that, because you're telling everybody in the world, this is where I live. I know it sucks being sued. Having I'm, I'm a lawyer. I've sued people. I've seen their responses. Uh, update your address. At some point, there is personal responsibility here. 
make sure your affairs are order. Had he gotten proper service, meaning had his correct address, he would have went to court. He would have said, that ain't my baby, got his DNA test, and he would have avoided the, 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 the quagmire he's in right now. Yeah, that's, that's so all nice and I mean, cool. No, yeah. no, you know, but, you but, guys... but there's still a matter of the practical wrongness of this particular type of law where no it's, matter it's no matter what it is it's only wrong because he defaulted no it's, he, it's still a wrong no, no, it's still an erroneous he, law he, you're he, telling me no, that if you're talking about a guy sir, who doesn't have a great. child that's, that's that's not his child but he still has to pay arrears on a child i had, mean this is egregious had, 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 had he followed his service he would he wouldn't got the order in the first place that's all i'm saying it is toxic it is wrong but i'm not going to sit here and say this man is without any at all fault he played a part in this by by allowing this default but, to happen. But when laws cease to work to the ends of its legislative intent, which is to care for a child, which you have a responsibility to care for, it's a moot point to say that he didn't follow legal procedures after they've established that it's not his child, and now he's beholden to arrears from a technicality. That is that is the, that is the, that is the consummate technicality. Like, I mean, come on, I see what you're arguing from a lawyer standpoint, from a procedural standpoint, but from a moral standpoint, and we know like moral, morality gets conflated with legality, right? Right. So in this particular case, it's not morally right for this man to be paying arrears for a child that he did not father. I agree. Of the I'm saying, and I agree. That's toxic part. I agree with that. What I'm saying is he bears responsibility. I'm not going to make this Granted, man yes. not absolve his responsibility. responsibility his deserve that. Uh, of course not. It's not commensurate with, 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 with the oversight. Though. It it's never not. is, though. Like, whether you pay zero dollars or a million dollars for something that's not your responsibility, it's never fair. Yeah, but I'm but saying, but he, let's, he, 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 let's not let's, make this man out to be an angel. The, let's take the next step, because let's go back to the law, right? When he did take steps, mm -hmm. when he got his DNA test to prove that he wasn't that child's father, he was still caught up in the system. Like, there should be some remedy quickly. There should be some remedy quickly in that case. Like, there's, there is nothing... Um, that should take that long to try and figure out and say, not even to stop it or pause it, but to say, well, too bad. You should have answered that. You should have answered at the appointed time. Like that's that's idiotic to me. That's crazy. All right, well, we're, we're about to get even more in depth in this child support issue. <laughs> it, I feel like all these uh, avid watchers right now about to really blow up as we have this part of the discussion. Um, recently, your boy Blake Griffin, uh -huh. basketball player extraordinaire. Um, was just in the news. Originally, it was reported that his uh, the the mother of his two children, uh, Cameron Bryn, was given an allocation of two hundred and fifty eight thousand dollars a month in child support, which would have equated to three million dollars a year, which would have equated to about nine percent of his uh, total income. However, uh, that story has been retracted. It's actually accurate amount is thirty two thousand dollars a month. Uh, for those children, which comes out to roughly about $285,000 a year. On top of that, Miss Bren already had a child from uh, football player uh, Matt Leinert. He's a quarterback geez. in the NFL, and that totaled, I think it was $15,000 a month. Uh, so she's getting rough, roughly about $47,000 per month in child support for three children from two fathers. Um, there's been a lot of discussion back and forth about yay or nay to that kind of payment for a child. Uh, many of the uh, women uh, on this issue have said, hey, look, you should have known better. You got to pay what you owe. And on top of that, that's just a drop in the bucket uh, in terms of monetary value when he's making 20 some odd million dollars a year. Um, what's what's a couple hundred thousand or in the case where it would have been originally, as we originally thought, what's $3 million when that's only 9% of your income? <laughs> Um, 
and Rod, you actually talked about this and you mirrored something that was in my thought. So because you said it first, I'll let you go ahead and speak on it because uh, I don't want you arguing me down, telling, telling me how I stole your thunder. Oh, yeah, so go yeah, ahead. Because you do that. Get um, right. So, <laughs> so everyone that knows me know I feel strongly about this situation. Um, I, don't, I think the child support system as currently constituted is a racket. I think it's a government kickback scheme. I think it's it, it's, it needs to be abrogated Absolutely. and completely Absolutely. completely changed. The system needs to be completely changed. If it's I, a racket, who benefits from it? So the state gets so the so brought up by one of my my new nomad friends. I can't remember his name, but I, I went and fact checked Kevin Kevin Plot. Kevin put me on some real useful information. I went back and checked the Department of Child Support Enforcement website on the federal level. It shows data about all how much money the states earn as revenue based on fees they take from child support payments. Texas being probably the, the biggest profiteer in the 60s of millions a year. So there's incentive to keep this, to maintain this system, albeit very draconian and outmoded, outmoded and outdated into place because there are people who are benefiting like anything else in capitalism. Now, I'll say this. This, this, this debate always starts off with, with red herrings, right? I don't think we will find any disagreement with any man on the planet that, we, that supporting your child financially mm -hmm. is something that you're incumbent to do. That is not what child support, that's not what the, 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 the decry from child support is about. It's about the fact that these awards are not fair. They do not reflect the legislative intent which states that this is to provide financial assistance for a child that you have fathered. More so, it seems to be more punitive that, you know, they come up with all these ancillary arguments about the child should be living the lifestyle of the father or because they're affluent, the, 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 the percentage that they're paying is a modicum of their income. This has nothing to do with the intent of the law. And I think that's what a lot of this uh, support of the child support system is predicated on. But we can get more into it. And, and, and to add to what you said, Chuck, uh, Rod, I'm sorry. Uh, in Texas, the, the, the money comes in not in the child support payments, but the administrative payments, the arrears, because those get taxed at 6% uh, per annual interest a year. And all that interest goes to the state. So as so a person can receive a retroactive child support award of $30,000, and then the, they will tell them, hey, of that $30,000, $18,000 is interest. You think you're about to get thirty thousand dollars. In reality, you're about to get twelve, because that eighteen thousand in interest goes to the state. That's across the board in every state in this country. In some some countries, states, I think South Carolina has a twelve percent per annual. Because I had a case like that once with one of my clients. That's the racket part. That that part sucks because now you're taxing people who can't pay with a an additional amount on top of the arrears. So they have the child support, and if they mess up their arrears support, which includes interest. And, and, and you can't pay, and then you can put them in jail. There's uh, 180 days uh, in, 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 in custody for missing payments. And it's all based on this 20%, 25% idea of what you should pay that was not based on economics. Like, like the government just created a figure and said, you know what, you should pay 20% of your debt, and that's what it is. Nope, there was no studies done into why 20% as opposed to 18 or 12, why 25%. They just picked the number, and without studying its actual impact upon people, you create a very toxic environment. My only issue, Rod, with what you said was that use of the term punitive in nature, uh, child support being punitive. I mean, let's, let's be completely honest and real here. It's child support as an entity is not a punitive uh, uh, procedure. It, and, and, and maybe you did, but I, I, did. I didn't hear that I come did. come through. So I want people to understand that. that they, they heard it. Okay. Well, <laughs> you didn't hear it. Uh, I tried to tune you out sometimes. It. I said that no one disagrees that the you know ostensible call, the reason for child support is to support your child, mm -hmm. and no one disagrees with that. Okay. But I said instead of being compensatory, it is 
you know, the way it is established, punitive in certain regards. What do you mean the way it's established? Maybe the, maybe that's the problem the, that the I way have. The, the way the laws are promulgated, the way the policies are dictated to, to that mandate the father pay. Like, again, with this Blake Griffin thing being, like, the catalyst of this conversation, how much does a child really need to be supported? How can a child... I, 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 all the viewers out there, I, I want you guys to come on our Facebook page and itemize all the ways you think a child can live the lifestyle of his father. I mean... Are we going to buy the child Bentley, di Bentley strollers, you know, Givenchy diapers, platinum? They're going to drink premium milk? Like, it, it's, a, it's, a fa it's a fallacious argument that has traction, but no one questions it. Well, I, correct. I think, so, I think here's, you got to be careful with that, though, because, I mean, come on, man. This man make $20 million a year. How much money do you think the child should have? It's not, it's not about buying a child expensive shoes, diapers, clothing, and all that, but it's more so you got to think about the future of the child, right? So how much the future? So, how much the future cost? Well, hold on, hold on. We'll come back. I'm gonna Charles. Yeah, because I'm I'm a little bit. So here's the thing. Number one, you're talking, and we talk about. I agree with you that there's a racket that, that the state and other states do, especially with charging interest on the rears. But you're talking about two people who can't agree on how to live together, right? Mm -hmm. They have children. Somebody has to make sure that these children are provided for in a way that you know lives up to some kind of standard. And when we say, when you say things like, when men say things like, well, how much money does it take to take care of a child? A lot. It, does. it takes a lot. a lot of money to take care of a child. If you are, if you are a parent who who wants to give, because money, it's not about the things that money can buy. It's about the options that money gives you. It's about the security that money gives you. It's about whether or not you want to, you know, certain private tutors. School. If you're gonna have tutors, if you're gonna have private schools, if you're gonna live in a certain neighborhood, the neighborhood that you would want your child to live in, and you can't always be the one to make that choice. That's the thing. If you're not, if you're not now, I also think it's a racket about a woman always being the default customer. That's a young problem. Let's stay on this. But let's stay on this particular. I do think child support should be when they talk about lifestyle, right? When I, when I, you know, when I was paying, I was paying child support at one time. I got custody and I wasn't paying child support. At both times, I always tried to make it a point that my children were living as yeah, I live, yeah. right? So but the things that I have, the access that I have, the places that I can go, whether or not it was at that level. Now, they're not going to go out and eat at the same restaurants as me because they're kids. They want nuggets or whatever they want. But it's also making sure that they have access to the same things. If I'm taking a trip every year that we would normally take as a family, now, unfortunately, they're going to have to take that trip maybe without me. But they're still going to be able to take that trip. When they get to college, when they get to a college age, having the savings, when it's time for them to have a car, all of the things that would normally happen if they were living in a house with me, I want to make sure that happens with or without me. Go so ahead. It's, so it's interesting. Hold on. It's because both of you have kind of mirrored uh, Quentin and Charles the same um, issue of what the child could get with this parent. My issue with that that type of sentiment and, and I can't and let me before I go into what I'm saying Candace Jackson says um, she says a couple things first thing she says is child support is to level out the household that would have been had the father remained in the oh, household shit, the second thing bro. is I hate that mindset how much does it take to raise a child Ugh. and uh, actually yeah, Tiffany I, Milton I, kinda, I agree with her uh, so it, actually it, so, it. She, so she had two <laughs> things so here's here's my my take on that First of all, child support is actually for the support of the child. It's not to make sure that you had the same lifestyle 
that you would have had with that that particular parent. But, but because hold on, hold on, separate the two. Hold on, hold on. You actually can't because what that presupposes is that your child is entitled to your money, exactly. and your child is never legally entitled to your money because you I'm have the legal. Hold on, because you have the legal two. ability to write your child out of your will, which means that you have the legal ability at any point in that child's life, once you have left this world, to give your child absolutely nothing. And on top of that, you as a parent have the ability to decide and have the discretion to decide what your child gets while they live with you. So if I'm the father or the mother in the situation, you can't presuppose how I would have raised my child simply because that child is no longer yeah, living in my household. Because when you talk about when you talk about certain things, I mean, this is first of all, let's let's, let's put this in the vacuum of, of Blake Griffin. Uh, we're we're talking about that because there's a difference. We have to also understand there's a difference between multimillionaire parents and your run of the mill thirty, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollar parents. Uh, so so there's there's a whole different playing field. But when you talk about the Blake Griffins of the world. Um, $32,000 for two children. So let's divide that $16,000 per child. First, let's, let's, let's think about this first. This is a baby. This isn't a child that needs to go to private school right now. This isn't a child that has to go uh, run track, uh, go play soccer, has to go do all the things that a 13, 14, a 16-year-old would do. So you minimize the amount of actual support that's needed from that child because at this point, they need a titty and a roof that's and, and maybe some diapers if you don't want it naked but here's the thing this is the thing that that people do that's not for you to decide if you're not, not for a judge either. but here it's it is but here it is because i've been the non-custodial parent and i've been the custodial parent and when i was the custodial parent it was not for somebody else to decide what things my children had access to, what things I wanted to give them, how I wanted to take the money that I was you're, given. You're, you're half of that child because but, you got to remember there's another parent but, that's no, engaged there's, in there's that. Agreements, there's agreements to be made, but, but again, to my very first point, when you take two people who can't even agree how they're going to live together, they're not going to agree because you have – now, all of us are probably reasonable people who – those of us who have kids, we give – we give the world for our kids. We're not going to spoil them. We're not going to do things in a different way. But there are some people who say, and I know a lot of them, who say, once I leave that house, y'all got to figure it out. And that's that's the problem you have because you can't you can't get into a situation where you let two people who can't even decide what to do with a child figure out how much money they're going to give because you do have that situation. Listen, I paid a lot in child support. And... I, that was my mindset too, but that's the thing about it. It's only, why do you need it, all this money? It really but, only penalizes the people, the men who actually pay. It's not. It's not like it's not like these exorbitant child support awards are going to impact the guys who are not willing to take care of their kids. The, the system itself victimizes the people who actually take care of their kids. Yeah, but you but have you I, have to have a way to find a happy, uh, uh, yeah, not but, a happy medium. We're talking about but the happy some medium, standard. Now, now, does the system need to be readjusted and looked at? Yeah. yeah. Do they need to do studies to figure out? You know, what kind of lifestyle that kid would have if you two were together and really have a real number? Yeah. Yes. But you can't you can't take away the need for there to be some some no. baseline. No one no level. one no one here is arguing that well, a kid, So what would what would the baseline what would, level so, so be? That, that's, that is the what more the that is the that is the question we need to address on the legal and a social on, on, on a social level. Okay. We need to find out how much a child needs to to, to survive. But how much you need to support it, a child? But it differs. 
It does differ, but we, but, we should find a way to do that. I mean, so I so now you, you, I think you, about, you, I think about my children. So you're preferential right? to an arbitrary system no, no. rather than one that we but, doing. But, it but I'm in, saying, two pe people when people can't decide, when I think about my children, right? If I think about my children versus the children of some of my friends, even the even at the same income level, the things that I choose to do for my children, the lifestyle that they live based on the money that I give them is totally it's different than somebody else. Right. It'd so here's my thing. You okay with the judge being the arbiter of how no, much uh, I should pay my, how much I, what amenities I should pro provide my child with. I wrote something earlier on, on our blog talking about my father. My father, my, my, my mind is an MVP. He's an MVP father. My father raised me right. My father didn't give me a, a decent car when I came up. He gave me a shitty Taurus. He was driving a nice car. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't recapitulate his wardrobe for me. He made me go get a job. He didn't give me money. He had the means to do that, but he made, he had the decision as a father. He had the autonomy right. to say, he, I don't want to give my decision. child right. that type of lifestyle, even though I can. Right. So why why is it that you're okay with a, a judge arbitrarily I'm, going into saying, saying, saying I'm, I'm not saying I'm okay with it. I'm saying that of that lifestyle. He's not saying that the judge is saying you have to go buy this car or buy those clothes. He's saying this this if you make twenty million dollars a year, you need to provide. The gateway to for your child. So I'm just the gateway cost. Practically speaking, does my child need wait, three million dollars? Wait, 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 wait. What, what do you mean by? Hold on. Before, before I want to understand what you mean by you have to because provide a gateway for your child. If I make twenty million dollars a year, and and I say, okay, well, this child only need five hundred dollars a year. What is that based on? That's just based on. It, it could, in more more cases than none, it's probably based on the fact the relationship that I have with the child's mother, the bitterness between the two parents. Because if 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 I make twenty million dollars a year, there's no way you can sit here and say as a loving father or somebody who wants to pave the future for your child that you can only get them five hundred dollars. Sure, you so can, you can say that money's not going to my child, but it's supporting the lifestyle of your failed relationship partner. It doesn't. But let me let me say this, because lawyers in the room tell me this, right? There is not. It's not. It's not determined that you have to use the child support system, right? If the two people can make an agreement outside of the court, if you can sit down with the mother of your children and say, you know what? That's correct. That's this is how much I make. I make $20 million a year. I'm going to do X, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z <laughs> for you, right? You can, you two adults can sit down and make an agreement that has nothing to do with the courts. Am I correct in Chuck, saying you, that? You're right. But am I correct in saying yes, that? Yes, correct. you're yes. right. And the reason that you have these situations is because exactly what I say. Can two people can't sit down because the, the person who has the, control the, the, most, the money, most money wants to control the situation. And the other person, they're going to use the child that to try is, to control the situation. True. Here's part I, of the I problem, think, though. I think Brennan said it right, and I, I agree completely. You have, I raised my, you, you, you want to give your kids the best, but you don't have to uh, provide a gateway to this opportune lifestyle that uh, uh, $20 million buy. You take care of your kids, and if you love, sure your, you if, do. If you love your kids, you will give them the best. Which, there is no question about that. And if you take care of your kids, regardless of the situation, you would give, you would give it your best. Now, I do believe you should take care of your children. I am not advocating not taking care of your kids. But there has to be a better, sensible approach. And by saying kids deserve things, that's creating situations that's so, that, that, that. Before we wrap up, I just want to say one thing. That's, that's why there has to be a dispassionate third party helping to make these decisions. Because just the four of us who are pretty much, we, we got very similar backgrounds and similar ideas. We can't even decide between us what would be a proper level to give you a kid. If we all made $20 million a year, how, how Rod would raise his child and I would raise my child and Damon would raise his child would be completely totally different. I'm saying I would give hold on, hold on. I think part of the problem is the actual term child support. And I think that's where we run into the roadblock because what Quentin said brings up a differentiation in monetary value. There is a difference between the amount of money it takes to support a child and the amount of money it takes to make 
the child fit whatever lifestyle you want that child to have. Because when you talk about support, hold on. When you talk about support, you can actually, and somebody said on here uh, earlier, um, uh, something about you can't. Oh, uh, Jonay Pear said you can't arbitrarily quantify how much a child costs. You can't arbitrarily do it, but you can actually monetize the cost, the bare bones cost mm-hmm. of what it takes mm-hmm. to hold on. What it takes to actually fund a child. There are diapers. There, there, there are tangible things that are needed monetarily in order to support a child. Versus what you're talking about, which is out of the love of my heart, how much do I want to give to my child's future? How much of my income wants to be there to support? The, the lifestyle, there's a difference between support and lifestyle. And what child support means is how much money should it take to actually make sure that that child can function healthily in society versus what we're all talking about, which is how much should a person give to their child based off of their income because this is the child that is the progeny of, of their fruits fruits of labor. Go ahead, Charles. this way. Because here's, here's, pro- here's why people that say that are full of shit. Because... And let's 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 now. take away let's take away the twenty million dollars a year. I said let's get down to the normal people that, that get down to the money we deal that with we day. deal with every day. When people say, "Oh, you only need so much to support a child," if you ain't never been in a house broke with a kid where you're not doing well, where your mental stability is not right because you don't have the money to do the things that to provide for that child in a way that you feel like that child should have, when your house is not right, when your car is not right, when you're working two that jobs, when you're doing, when you're hustling on the side to make sure that they can do all that extra Objection, emotional appeal. All of that stuff <laughs> has something to do with the way your child is raised because that goes to the health and welfare of your child. Just because you got enough money to take care of the things that that child needs and you can't take care of yourself, like, and, and I'm not, I'm not caping. caping uh, like I said, I, I, I went and tried and got custody of my children because you know some things that I felt that are personal, but I had to do that because I felt that the lifestyle that they needed to be living was with me. So I'm not saying that I'm not caping for the woman. I'm saying anybody who's a custodial parent, if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't have enough, but you had enough just to take care of the kids, but not your own mental health, that affects your children too. Don't think it doesn't just because you say, oh, well, they have enough to, to get lunch this week. That's, that's right, bullshit. So, so Candace uh, Battle asked the question, which actually piggybacks into our next part of this discussion, which is uh, can we start promoting joint custody? Would that take care of this child support issue? The answer would be yes, because if fifty a true 50-50 split would equate to no child support being done because the child goes 50%, 50%. Child support is predicated on how much time is spent with each parent. Anytime it's more than 50%, if it's 51 to 49, you get child support in that in that case. If it's 50-50, generally speaking, you have a uh, uh, even split of time, which means that there's no one parent who has more of a financial responsibility in theory uh, for that child. Now, that's not true because I said in theory, which is which is which is terms of visitation versus support. But uh, the question uh, that that Candace has brings us into the the thought process and the ideology of the deadbeat dad. Uh, deadbeat dads being, and I hate that that it's only coined for fathers, but <laughs> I guess in 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 truth. Men are more likely to be the deadbeat than the woman, uh, so we have to accept and own that truth as men in this society. Um, that it may not apply to every man. No, it, uh, obviously, fellas, it may not apply <laughs> no, to every man. But generally speaking, it is more likely than not that it will apply to a man than a woman. Now, that being said, um, 
this 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 thing about deadbeat dads. It I think there's only been two times I used to wonder, um, you know, how does one become a dad? Like, how do you get to the point where you don't want to be around your own child or you have nothing to do with your own child? I come from a family where my father was not around. Um, and, and I always wondered, man, how does one get there? And I think I, I finally saw it in one of my friends growing up where uh, I knew both parents. Uh, I knew mom and dad. We were all the same age. They ended up getting pregnant together. Uh, mom ended up taking care of the child while dad kind of just slid back on responsibility. That embittered mom. She became frustrated and it became a cycle of, of activity where she was trying to get him to take up the financial responsibility. He didn't want it. And as a part of that, not wanting the financial responsibility, he, try, he starts to edge away from his actual uh, interaction with the child. I think that deadbeat dads come from two different scenarios. The first scenario being the man or woman uh, who does not want to accept financial responsibility in the manner that has been set forth. And so they equate money with vis visibility. If I'm not paying, if, if, if I don't want to pay, then I really have not invested in this child. So I really don't want to be around a child. The second part of that is, or the, the second, the iteration of that is when a parent uses a child as a weapon and a tool, either just out of pure, pure animosity towards the person or as a tool to get the money that they were supposed to get in child support. And when that parent starts to use that child, the parent who has the visitation rights uh, or custody rights to the child starts to use that weaponry of the child, the other parent is then turned off and says, look, it's not worth fighting you over to try to see my own child. So they lose interest in the fight itself which means that the only person that suffers is the child because of the weaponry, uh, because of the, the child being weaponized. What are your thoughts, fellas? I, I, I say on this right here, man, you, like Charles mentioned earlier when we, we were talking, I don't think, the child support has to be there, man. The child support has to be there. I don't believe the dead beat dad theory is as strong as we make it to believe because uh, financially, yes, if you're not taking care of your uh, kids financially, then yes, you are a deadbeat parent. And we need to stop saying deadbeat dad because just because somebody's in the house with a child doesn't mean that they're not a deadbeat parent themselves. It, uh, it's more than financial responsibility, man. But you just said financial. You, you, I'm you, saying that, you that's a component it. of it, right? But I'm you, not saying that's the only thing. That's a I'm component just, I'm just, of it. Let's make you clarify what you said because you, on one hand, said if you're not paying, then you're a deadbeat parent. And then you turn around and say finance is not the only thing. So you kind of, you kind of, can you clarify? I'm saying that's a component of it. There, there's, there's a full circle to raising a child, man. Yeah. There's time. There's emotional uh, uh, input that, into that, and there's finances in there. So we, we can't just, anytime you hear deadbeat parent, what people are referring to is the fact that there's finances absent from somebody coming into the house. Not always. I know people who prefer that's, to that's, a dead, that deadbeat is, father because of, of a presence as well. Yeah. But they are provided. That, that is. But what is the number one reason that people call somebody Anecdotally, it is parent. about financial yeah. support. But, yeah, I exactly. to, but what you said, you kind of contradict yourself. I just wanted you to be clear on that. I'm no, not arguing no, with the premise of no, what you I said. No, I didn't contradict myself. So it is a component of the entire piece of the pie. There's a component of it. So, um, but anyway, man, we got to stop focusing so much on that and focus on how do we get to that? Because I feel like the number one problem is how people get awarded custody of kids. Man, you if you want to buy a house, man, you got to give them your social security, you got to give them everything. A car. 
it's so easy to go get custody of a child. Just go to the courts and complain. You go through a, a what? A quick, sure. it, oh, is. it is harder to get a house than it is to get custody of a damn child. You said, wait, 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 if you're harder? a woman. If a, oh, if yeah, you're a woman, yeah, now a man goes through oh, hell. Oh, you should have said, said that. Yeah, that Sir, it don't matter if I lay with it or not. That is the truth. What is the reason why First we all misunderstood you? No, you're right. not listening. You're we all misunderstood. Listen, <laughs> listen to what I'm saying. Getting real breasty right now. It is so easy. It is so. Think about it like this. If it was a 50 percent chance that you're going to win or lose, how many women do you think would run to the courts and say, "I want custody of this child"? But because it's a what a 90 something percent chance. It's, it's, it's easy for you to go into a courtroom and say, I don't want to be with this man no more. I want to put him on child support. And you're talking about specifically well, so, the woman, right? Okay. When we're talking about the ease of, of getting the a child. Of getting we're talking a child about specifically. And, put it, and putting somebody on child support and, and having that system and having somebody put into the system. Let me, let me address Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's be fair. Quitting to answer your question there. That ease you talk about is usually because that custodial parent has had the child is it? by themselves. I'm no, not it's saying not. every stretch of the imagination no, it's by not. themselves. If you if you're in a situation where your child has lived with one parent the entirety of it, or if you're in a marriage That's and not true, the, one party leaves, I, I mean I I I have I've lived it myself as a child and I I've I, lived it when, and gone when through I, it. When I do family law, this is what I saw. I can only speak anecdotally of my life. But what as about well as what my about practice. all hold of the, the hold divorces? On, that, bring, that, bring, that, hold on now. So so. You, I'm not. You, I, I will agree with you. There's a bias in the courts towards women. Absolutely, I, nobody can deny that. Definitely a bias, but I, I don't think that to say that is that, that they run there for that for, for that reason you gave. Probably because they want their child as much as you do. I think the way the benefit of it all, or the way to fix it all, is just to make it a pure 50/50. Which, Brendan, you were wrong on the child support. It would offset. You you in, even in a pure 50/50, you take both parents. Uh, child support amounts subtract it, and whoever pays, whoever still has a balance, pays that balance. That's, that's not true. That's at all. exactly the true. Courts that's, will that's, set. That's, courts they will, will. They will offset it, Brendan. I've done it also, and I've done it too. Okay. We both so done it. Do, so let me do. Let's, let's do. I just want to. Um, uh, Jenna Manning has a comment. She says, uh, from a, a couple of minutes back, if the custodial parent is the breadwinner, does it make it okay for the non-custodial parent to pay less? Um, so, in my opinion, Jenna, in my personal case. It was okay. I never asked for child support at all. Once I became the custodial parent, I took care. Of, I took care of everything. Even though my even though my children's mother did you know whatever she wanted to do personally, I didn't ask for child support. So it's a, I think it's up to that parent. But for me, it was about it was about something other than money. The answer is it's a default to who whoever has the majority custody default. They receive the child support. It doesn't matter if the other person makes less or more, because the the presumption is well, the I'm person. Sorry, well, I'm just answering that question. The presumption is wherever the child lives, the person who has custodial possession of that child is using more resources to fund that child's living expenses. So the non-custodial parent has to then partake in that, regardless of how much money they make. Hey, and, and, and it's a bias, of course, that for some reason men almost never ask for child support when they get custody. I've I seen wonder it why they almost never ask. Because <laughs> you know you ain't gonna get it. And, well, so, I don't so, care. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Whoever the, you, whoever the custody, custodial parent is, you automatically no. Yes, on procedure you would get it, but. No, no, you have the same rights as anybody else. I'm saying just for some reason, when men win custody of kids, we don't ask for child support. So, I don't know if it's a, a, a toxic... Well, toxic talk, well, well, but y'all haven't answered the question of weaponizing children uh, in this whole deadbeat phenomenon in terms of where the deadbeat exists I'm in life. I'm trying to answer your question. There's another entity that you've neglected. There's also a phenomenon of that guy who believes that his woman and his child are a package deal. I've seen this phenomenon play out many a times where I'm from. You know, the guy will be a A1 father when he is with that woman, but when that woman doesn't want to, you know, reciprocate his, 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 his feelings for her, 
then he penalizes the child by not being present. And this will be the same guy who goes and has another relationship with a woman who has four kids that are not his and, take, and be like the MVP, MVP father. That is also contributory. No, you said reasons why people are deadbeat. Well, I said to speak on, but I hear what you're saying. Okay, okay, so to answer your question, Brennan, I don't think anybody's for weaponizing children, although we see it. And I think an example of that would be paying sixteen or thirty thousand dollars for an infant and child support. Bring it on back, boy. Weaponizes kids, and and it's a disincentive to the whole process. Now I think you can just bring it all back. You can you can do a sliding scale on child support. You can do economics attribute because a baby doesn't need thirty thousand dollars, but maybe a college kid does. So you can adjust your sliding scale to make it make more sense in actual sense, but. Nobody's for weaponizing children. So, it does exist, though. So you, you bring up a good point, which is going to lead us into the other part of this uh, this story with current events is Russell and Sierra. Russell Wilson, uh, Sierra, um, and, well, Future, and, and, and but more importantly, Slim Thug in this particular instance, where Russell and Sierra are, are married. Um, we've had, they've gone through the, the gauntlet time and time again about their relationship, about uh, her child from Future, and Slim Thug made the uh, comment that said, hey, look, uh, she she married for financial security. You know, this cat makes $40 million, or his net worth is $40 million. Her net worth is $20 million. So there could be an argument that $20 million isn't enough to have your own personal financial security. I think Slim Thug, at least as recorded on the Internet, has $2 million net worth. So, it's you know. You might want to say, how dare you, you little man, uh, speak on this when you don't even reach our level. But that's that's neither that's here nor there. Um, but the question then becomes, you know, this whole this whole idea of financial security as it pertains to one, the deadbeat father and two the the the, the entity of child support where women are searching for a child payday. And and I think that you know the the financial security is that is that part of it where and people are going to say you need to wrap up you don't be done with that blah 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 but as as Damon said when they when we talk about weaponizing uh, child support are they use are are certain people using child support as a means of income in lieu of Working. all the other all um, the other types of income. Question. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. But what? Let me, let's, 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 let's go back. Appearing blue? I mean, let's go back to Slim for a minute because I want to let's be clear about some other things he said. So, on top of saying that it was a financial move, right, the reason he said it had to be financial is because he said you can't go from being with a cool That's dude. That's not her type of dude. You, yeah. No, no, you can't be going from street, a cool street, dude to who a uh, apparently future is the cool dude to him. To being with well, what he, he said calls he said rappers, he didn't say necessarily cool. He said people. Hold up, and he, and he called he called her current husband corny. corny. Right. So Which I, I think that's the thing he was looking at. So he was like, well, if you, if you're going with this corny dude, then it's got to be the money. But he also said financial security. Okay. Why, why do you agree Russell Wilson's corny? No, listen, because he is corny. But that's another. That's that's nothing, that has nothing to do with the fact. Would you say that, that if he was in here? I ain't never met a dude I ain't want. I wouldn't scrabble with. So that, that, that's that, not the. What you will do is going to happen. And then I'm going to sue him. Outcome is two different things. And I'm going to sue him. You're going to sue him, but he corny. Listen, 
disappointed by Russell Wilson. The man, that's he, it, man. he that's, earned his keep. This he, is he's a quarterback this is on by the, the way, man. field. He gets hit all the damn time. A higher threshold than anybody in this room, probably the Slim Thug, as far as pain. So everybody who plays football is the you, alpha male. You, no, but, but he is an alpha male. How do you know? But, but he, because <laughs> he, he's, 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 he's a, a quarterback. He, we're, he we're, led his we're, team. We're running Let me make my point. Let me make my point. Let's make my point because y'all cut me off from making my point. All right. So. I'm going to go ahead and take the L on this because I know this is not a debate that is going to be won in a public forum. You're already taking this L's is, on here. This is, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, because I, I bet you that's predominantly female viewership, focus, too. Focus, right? But Hold listen, on, make your point. listen, there's certain things Slim is touching on here. I, I disagree with the whole financial stability argument, but there's some things he's touching on that I kind of see where he's coming from. We actually touched on this in previous debates. There's some things that Russell Wilson does, I see... You know, it's, it's almost like my, my female friends, they come to me about a lot of their personal problems and their relationships. And I'm a good visionary for them. And I'm good at doing that because I can see the way men move differently from them. I, I perceive things they don't perceive. And there's some things I can perceive in how Russell Wilson moves that he's, ta he's speaking on. He's just not articulating it well. I disagree with the financial part. But there are some things. The, the ilk of man she has dated up until this point has consistently not been Russell Wilson. It's also so, consistently been in the rap game. In, in, in musicians. So now she left musicians and found somebody who, who is everything she wants. And, and, and the man is tough. He's a leader. He takes care of not only his child with, with Sierra. Tough and athletic but and not child, But you're correct. But he, did, he has right. mental toughness. He wasn't drafted as a starter. He was a third rounder and fought his way from... from, uh, from uh, I don't from, need his resume. From, I got okay, okay. Yeah, So he, he worked his way up. I mean, you, you can't call so, him. Cooney is superficial, though. I'm not saying Everybody can't argue at the same time. Go ahead, this. Here's the thing, and I say this about celebrities all the time. We don't know these people. Exactly. We, right. we know, we, especially, especially, <laughs> especially when you're the face of a NFL franchise, we know what you have to do and say to maintain that kind of position. We don't know these people. We don't know. And, and another thing is Slim Thug or any man talking about what a woman finds attractive is usually wrong as hell. And I'm not saying he's hate. I, I like Slim, and I, I most of the stuff he, he says, I'm like, he's usually, you know, he's pretty good dude. But I'm saying... Most of the time, when you start really talking to women about what they find attractive, because a lot of us, men, I know probably 99% of men will never date a woman who they don't initially find attractive, like physically attractive. A woman might say, "I, you know, he was this This changed my perception about him. This made me love him. It's so many different things that that man could have done to make that woman fall in love. We we have we have no clue. So I think it's probably, and that's probably why women so, so many times be like, we need to be quiet about that because we don't understand what their mind. When a woman is looking for a husband and what a man looks for a wife, two very different things. And, and I also think that uh, we, Rod, vis-a-vis -vis Slim Thug, presents a, uh, a false premise which is going to lead to a faulty conclusion in terms of you presuppose that for her the switch from a type of man to a different type of man has to do with either monetary or whatever. It could simply be she, well, she's not, learned not, that not she even, doesn't want to well, deal not, with well, not, even, not, even, not even growth, it's, but the fact that maybe I've dated the same type of person so many times. I, I obviously change. didn't. It didn't work out the six times it, with Bow Wow, with Future, with whomever else. It didn't work out. Maybe I need a different type of dude. It has and, nothing. And that has nothing to do with the financial stability at all. It's I simply a matter that. of. It's, it's simply a matter of you know. I've had a certain every every one of us have had a, a, a type, and every one of us it's has gone has, has said type. you know what that type doesn't necessarily. Uh, uh, fall into what's going to be most productive for my life. Yep. And in this particular instance, it is what it is. And Tiffany Milton made a good point. She said, uh, you know, corny is relative. I don't understand. We have this thing about, uh, in my opinion, anytime a, a, a good 
man uh, is is seen as yeah, I can I can sound like what the fuck ever, but it is what it is. Anytime you have a good dude that's sitting out here doing what you talk about the Nick Cannons of the world, you talking about the Wayne Brady's of the world. These are successful black men who don't fit the regular mold of uh, hardcore this or whatever. These are cats who are out there doing their own thing, making lots of money doing it, but they don't have that same type of regular black persona that, that you want. You call them corny for what they do. There's nothing corny. Substantively about, about, Russell, about Russell Wilson. He, he is a premier. I mean, if you would shut up, I would be done. But this is a premier football player in a in a uh, championship winning football team as the starting quarterback, making multi million dollars. Not anywhere in that resume can you call this cat corny. So can I can I can I can I can I can I rebut now? You, so, you've been doing it all day, so, just being a butt. So, <laughs> so it's funny, right? It's it's almost it's ironic. It's ironic that. You're using terms like fallacious premise, right? You're saying that I'm presupposing that this guy's this has this kind of character attribute because of something I see. It's all superficial. The, the argument that you have is premised on a presupposition as well. You don't know the opposite isn't true. This I is all merely for, you said maybe, but it's all merely for discussion. When we talk about corny, we're talking about superficial attributes. I didn't say this man is, is a, what is can, I, can I finish? No, it's, it's how like you walk, it's how you talk, things that are not important, but it's how you appear to people. When we use terms like corny or we use somebody who's square, we all use that terminology. That doesn't mean that, it's not, it's not a judgment statement about a person. What about it's, him? Shows you that he is Listen, perceived as corny exactly. with and you. Exactly, and I get that. You you assuming that's because he's a squared away guy that he's got his life together. You're de you're describing me, Jesus. I, I just want you to just I didn't answer say the you question. Had... <laughs> it's some, I mean, man, it's I think all, it's I think it's all in the way you look at things. It's, it's, all it's some about man. it's something about that guy that some people look at and be like, uh, he's whatever for whatever reason. And I I don't get it. Again, I say we don't know these people. We don't know what he does behind closed doors. He did something. But exactly. you called him corny. What exactly what is corny about him? That's him all. Corny. Listen, going back to our conversation we had about Russell Wilson in the in the baby picture that we talked about a few episodes back, I said he was corny for that, not because he has his shit together. I, you, you, you're putting words in my mouth, and you know that's false because I didn't say he was corny because he's a good dude. I'm a good dude by your definition. I don't think I'm corny either. I don't think I'm square. That's not what I'm predicating that assessment on. It's the fact that he says things, he moves a certain way, and he does things I feel is square. It's corny, period. And it's all superficial. It doesn't really matter. But all, all judgment statements like that are superficial. Even yours, 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 and yours too. So why is mine less valid because I take a different position from y'all? Well, I'm getting all this heat. No, I'm <laughs> because you're corny and square. I think you're corny and square. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. see, you're well, so, blind. All right, so on the other side of this whole Sierra-Russell uh, Russell debate is you go back to the future part of this. because they're, they're, This is good fodder for discussion. Um, the future part of this where, where, and you brought it up with the whole picture, we talked about that in, a, I don't know, like episode one or two, this whole naked baby picture. But uh, the co-parenting of 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 a of a uh, mixed family um this isn't a nuclear family or the traditional nuclear family where this is the biological dad biological mom this is stepdad and mom uh raising the kid together how hard is it and some of you uh, i know charles in particular has been in a a relationship where he has had to intermingle children that weren't yours within the family unit how hard is it to co-parent as a step parent, with that with that natural born parent, other parent, um, I, I think it depends. It depends on the dynamic of the people involved. So in my case, I was very lucky. My my stepson's natural, you know, his biological father and I were cool. We got along right off the bat. We talked to each other. We still talk to each other 
to this day, and he's he's a grown man now. So it depends on the people involved. We were all worried about the kids growing up and being good. So when it was time to visit, if he wanted to come to the house or the kid would go to his house, there were times when, when my children, who are not his biological children, would join their brother. I never allowed them to say stepbrother, right? That was their brother. So if he was going to his dad's house, sometimes his brothers wanted to go with him. So it's all about the people that are involved. If you're mature enough now, also, there was no animosity between the mother and the father. So it was yeah. easy for me to just shake the man's hand. It was He shook my hand. You know, I don't want her. She doesn't want me. We just want to raise this child. So in the case of future, I I, I don't know if they have the same situation because there's probably some Clearly there's probably some animosity there. Okay. But, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I've seen, because I, I grew up where I had a stepfather come into a uh, into the, into the role of, of uh, a father, he was not a good stepfather. I mean, he, he came in, he did what he wanted to do. He disciplined the way he wanted to do. And that discipline was not um, for all intents and purposes, what one would want their child to have to go through. Um, and it's, it's, it's a dangerous thing that you, the, the game that you play in terms of managing the parental aspect of, of, of dealing with a co-parenting situation in terms of discipline, uh, how that child is supposed to perceive you, how you want that child to perceive you, you know, because is it that people have said, well, on one end, we, we use the Russell uh, thing as a, uh, as a, as a benchmark, but you know, Hey, uh, now that now this kid has two fathers. Some will say, well, no, he only has one father and he's got this other stepfather. Russell should know his lane. What what should that lane really look like to other than to love that child as if they were your own? That's the only that's, lane, that's man. The only lane. That's the only lane. That's the only you, lane. If, 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 if I'm a father, so I have a son, and I, and I deal with this, right? So the only way you're going to prevent uh, your child being in a situation that you don't want him to if you go get your child and you spend time with them too. But that's the thing. He's in that man's house. So the only thing you can hope for is that Sierra has done a good job of evaluating him in the relationship, the type of uh, father figure he's going to be and hope the best for that situation, try to develop a relationship with that man and talk about your principles versus his principles and, and try to get aligned as best as possible. But you, I mean, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about that but stay involved in your child's life. Do you find that it's it's a struggle to to not be threatened by another man that comes in and plays that role? I mean, how, wow. how hard is it? Like, if you heard your kid say, oh, that's 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 also daddy. You know, he's been around this cat for five years now. He calls another man daddy. I know a lot of moms say, I'm the only mama. Is, is that the saying that holds true? I mean, men have a certain sense of, of, of ownership of something, and we we have more pride than women because we have a lot more ego to, to contend with. I don't, I, I, I don't think so. Kids, For me, um, I feel like I do my job as a father. I support my son in, in all ways. So... If he's around somebody else that much time, naturally, he's going to build that bond with the other man, right? So I don't think you should um, be prideful about that. I think you should embrace that. I think you should embrace that and explain uh, what the situation is. Me and his mom didn't work out, so she's not going to stay single forever. I'm not going to stay single forever. So you have to embrace those relationships and, and just guide your child through them and, and make them understand that, um, you know, you're you're not you're not a stepchild because you don't want somebody to treat your child like a stepchild. You want them to treat your child like it is their child. So if you're gonna, if that's what you're gonna speak, then you're probably speaking what you don't want to happen into existence. 
Yeah. I don't think I don't think for any well-adjusted father this is a, a controversy. I think we mostly agree on this. I don't I don't really. You know who you are as a much. father. You know you know that's your biological child, but don't create you know don't create a boundary between uh, your child and the household that he's going to be in. How many ever you know how much of a time? Don't don't create that for your child. Let the child be embraced by the other person. Yeah. And, and and don't. And this is it might be a controversial statement because a lot of parents do this. That's your child, but your child is not a possession. It's not a he's not a car or a house. He is a living, breathing human being who's going to have to learn. He's going to have a personality. He's going to make connections with people. He's going to go out and, and love people. So it doesn't just have to be that's my son. So I have to be this X Y Z. Be a father to him. But if he has other people like growing up, right? My dad is. I'll say one of the greatest dads ever, but I have an uncle. My uncle was the one who, you know, got me involved in sports because he loved that kind of thing. So I look at him just as I look at my dad as somebody I really love in my life. So you can have those attachments and those influences without it being, you know, a negative to your parent. How hard do you guys think it is then, um, as, if you're not the, not the custodial parent, the non-custodial parent, how hard is it for you to maintain the relationship that you want with your child when you're not, when you don't have that child living with you. I mean, it, to me, it seems like it's an exponential burden because, on one hand, if you're, let's assume this is a mom and dad where mom has the uh, the the majority uh, uh, possessory, possessory right, child is going to automatically be with that 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 mom 60, 60 to seventy percent of the time. Um, that means that they go to sleep with them most nights. They're the ones taking them to school. They're the ones who, when they're sick, you know, going straight to mom at that point. Um, dad tends to be the one that, because I only have a limited amount of time, I have to be the fun parent with that kid. Or, you know, I, I only, I have to maximize whatever it is. Does that, does that dynamic change your ability to function as the parent that you want to be with your I, child? I think it could, I think it can change it a bit, but it forces you to really it, it forces you to dig deep and look at how you right, look crazy. at how you want to live luckily for i mean some parents i was in a very i'm i was really lucky because even when my ex and i were at our worst with each other she never stopped me from you know if i wanted to see my kids every day i could come by every day so that was good but i think it's it's dealing with the the parent dealing with that other parent and and just sitting down like a dozen and saying listen no matter what we've been through we want to raise these kids the right way. We, I want to spend time. You want to spend time, and just coming up with something that works for both of you. I think if you know clearly, in some cases, you don't want that. But I think if if two people are really focused on what matters, and that's their kid, they can come up with something that works yeah. where everybody is. You know, I'm gonna tell you, I can speak from the other side of that because mine was exactly the opposite of his. But uh, if you face a situation like mine was, where you do have to combat a parent, then you gonna have to fight like hell, man. You gonna have to. You gonna have to go through some. You have to go through some shit. You gonna have to get iPads and and you Scott. You gonna have to be creative with how you gonna engage with your child. And when you have a parent that's on the other side who um, they're not being as supportive as you would want them to be, then it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a battle. But at the end of the day, if you feel that strongly about your child, you are gonna have to find a way. Never give up. Well, Andrew Simpson asked the question, how can I get on this show next week? Uh, Andrew, first of all, I want to thank you for tuning in with us and uh, being such an a, a avid supporter. Um, one thing that we would like to do is make sure that uh, we are able to get the opinions of our viewers. Uh, we do that by allowing you guys to give us video submissions uh, on in questions and comments and concerns. 
you can do that uh, either upload a a, a video of what you want us to talk about we'll put it on the uh, Facebook page we also have a uh, feature that we're going to be rolling out on the website the website is www.gentspodcast.com did I say it right Whew, boys, it's tough every week to get that. Um, but we'll have a video submission for you guys to be able to uh, put your comments on there. Same way we do our vo- uh, blogs, and we'll also be doing some video blogs as well. But uh, if you also want to be a, a, a guest on the show, tell us tell us why you would uh, be a valuable asset to the show for that week, and we'll see what we can do on getting you on because we want to make sure that our viewers uh, have the opportunity, the unique opportunity to join us from time to time. Um, this week in our black magic, we got some black girl magic yet again coming up. These girls are really out here doing it, man. Uh, first and foremost, we have uh, Marina Robinson Snowden, a 30-year-old Miami native who has just become the first uh, black woman to earn a nuclear engineering PhD from MIT. There are only 2% of women in that particular field, and as the first African-American woman to do it, my God, what an accomplishment. Uh, hats off to you, uh, Miss Snowden. Quentin, you got some some competition. She better come ready, I'm telling you that. <laughs> she, she coming for me, she better come ready. <laughs> and we also have Abby Dion. She is the first black woman to own an indoor rock climbing gym in the U.S. Uh, hats off to you. She's uh, got Coral Cliffs Climbing Gym in Fort, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, that's, I mean, I love the fact that, one, Black people are showing up and showing out on a daily and weekly basis, and we don't do enough to highlight them. And most importantly, the women who are the backbone of our society don't get enough recognition. So shout out to you, black girls, black girl magic. Uh, Love what you're doing. That being said, uh, as we wrap up the show, we want to say again, thank you to everybody who's been watching, tuning in. We see your comments. We are going to expound on them vis-a-vis our blogs that we're going to be doing. Um, every week we put out blogs and I hope you guys, as you see those blogs, comment on them, uh, share this page. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. If you go to our uh, website, www.gentspodcast.com, uh, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. We need as many subscriptions as possible so we can uh, make it a dedicated channel. Uh, we also have an Instagram, which is Charles. What, what's, what's the Instagram? At Gents Podcast. At Gents Podcast. We have... Is Dude, that it? That's not it at all. Well, okay. oh, well, why don't we? <laughs> can we get a board made? I don't have a dedicated YouTube address yet, so they just need to go and search intelligence. Can we just get a board okay. printed up? Okay. So, so that was our our uh, black girl magic producer because she keeps us in line and tells us what we can and can't do uh, every single day. Um, but yeah, uh, hope you've had a great time watching us today. This is intelligence bringing you knowledge with the power to change. We will see you next Monday. Bye bye. Oh, 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 oh,